culture to politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day to take a big picture look at what is going on in our country politically. You wouldn't think that with things going so badly in terms of inflation, in terms of crime, that there would be that much doubt about what happens with these midterm elections. But as we've uh, found out every single day, and I bring you all the new polling and all the new and different races, the polling is close, close, close. Uh, Marco Rubio, who is a popular uh, incumbent senator from Florida, according to the most recent polls, is pretty much in a dead tie with his challenger Val Demings. And uh, then there are other Republicans who were in power who were cruising and other Democrats who were cruising. But what is going on and why are people so interested in the midterms this time? Do you remember any midterm election? Maybe 1994. And uh, 1994, it was right after the Clinton win over the incumbent George Herbert Walker Bush and Clinton came in, he had big majorities in the House and big majorities in the Senate. And people looked at the uh, midterm elections as a chance for change. And they got the uh, Newt Gingrich contract with America Revolution. It was remarkable. What about now? Is there any sense that, that people honestly believe that electing a majority of Republicans in the House of Representatives or electing one, one, that's all they need, one U.S. senator and holding the other Republican seats, giving uh, the Republicans a chance to take over the Senate again, that that would put America on the right track? Or is that just too much to hope for with uh, Joe Biden in power? And I know, I know, I know. People say he's not really in power. He's going to be 80 years old in November. Isn't that unbelievable? A happy birthday almost. Well, people will be counting down the days. But uh, with all of that going on, people think, oh, no, no, Biden's not in control. Okay, you may not believe that, but he still has two more years in office. Or will there be some kind of alteration of that based upon the Republicans taking over the House and the Senate? Uh, 1-800-955-1776. Uh, Myra Adams, who writes for Real Clear Politics and writes for The Hill and is a pretty sharp analyst, has what she says is the first serious look and what is likely to turn out, what is going to happen in 2024. And yes, that has a direct relationship to how people feel and how they react to 2022. One of the things that uh, I, I think you could say is once upon a time, there were people who were saying that, oh, okay, right now, the reason people are so excited about this election is because the Re Republicans have gone so far to the right, and that excites people on the right, and it excites people in the middle who are upset about that, and it excites people on the left who are upset about where the Republicans... Guess what? It's not just the Republicans. I mean, if you look at people on the left, and particularly the uh, leftist squadsters, people like Rashida Tlaib and, of course, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, 
they get a tremendous amount of attention. And one of the things that is fascinating about that is that if you consider that um, one of the front runners, at least according to most analysts, for the election, for the presidential election in 2024, is the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, which I think is far-fetched because I think she's a terrible candidate and I don't think she has strong popular support. And it's hard for me to imagine that uh, she actually holds the nomination if Biden decides not to make a race for it. And what about that Biden decision? Is he a sure thing to win the Democratic nomination if he decides to go for it? We will talk about all of that. All of that coming at a time when uh, there are indications that Americans are not necessarily moving further to the left and further to the right. There's a very interesting Pew survey about the way people responded to capitalism and socialism. And part of what they figured out is that um, the Republicans are a little bit less positive toward capitalism, and uh, the Democrats are considerably less positive toward socialism. This, despite people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, let's uh, take a listen to what she said recently on social media. This is clip 12. In her latest video posted to social media, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said, uh, we need more immigrants because American citizens are not having babies. Why? Because of capitalism. Uh-huh. Uh, listen to what she says and the way she says it. This is clip 12. Young people, because under the burdens of capitalism and under living under a society that's increasingly concentrating wealth among the rich, we're not having kids. and Or we're not having kids at the same rate. And we actually need immigrant populations to help balance things out. We can't continue to fund Social Security, Medicare, all of this stuff without immigrants. And it's always been that way. Don't act like this is some new trend or anything like that. Okay. I, look, she's right about the importance of immigrants. Very important for the American economy. Very important for the American future, clearly. But as you'll notice what she said is people are not having babies because of the burdens of capitalism. Uh, capitalism has burdens where socialism provides for people. What they say in this uh, new Pew Research study, and it's one of those things that's a big 30-page brick that you have to read through, but the essence of it is that back in 2019, which when you think about it, wasn't that long ago. Yes, that was while Donald Trump was still president. And uh, at that time, nearly two-thirds of Democrats, that's 65% of Democrats, said they had a positive view of socialism. Isn't that amazing? Today, that's gone down from 65% to 57%. And they point out there's not been a significant change among Republicans and Republican-leaning independents since 2019. Uh, today, how many Republicans say they have a uh, positive impression of socialism? 14%. About uh, four times as many, so uh, well over a uh, majority say they have a very negative view of socialism. Look, the two parties are different. 
and they're fundamentally different. And when it comes to capitalism, what's interesting is Republicans really don't like socialism. But most Democrats, 46% of Democrats today uh, have a positive view of capitalism. That's down nine points from 55% in 2019. People don't have a positive view of anything today. That's part of the problem. And uh, among Republicans... The what percentage have a positive impression of capitalism? 78%. And that's only going down a very little bit. Uh, what does that mean? Part of what it means is that people who identify as socialists uh, are not going to appeal strongly to the Democratic side and they're going to have no appeal at all to independents or Republicans. And uh, the idea that uh, Bernie Sanders had changed everything and he had turned socialism into a positive word, not a dirty word, that's simply not true. Uh, we will get to that and what it means. We'll also talk about people's fears that machines are going to take over from humanity. And they use as an example of that a uh, scandal involving cheating in the world's chess championships. We'll get to that and more on The Medved Show. Michael Medved show. Uh, one of the uh, highlights of the Biden administration, and I know that sounds like a contradiction in terms for a lot of people who look at the Biden administration, there are no highlights. The highlights will be when uh, President Biden says farewell. But uh, leave that aside for a moment. Uh, the Secretary of State, uh, Antony Blinken, is a good communicator. He is somebody who is a forceful speaker, and he makes a strong impression. I mean, it's not just comparing him to Biden himself. And Blinken is just better up there on that big podium in front of the U.N. I mean, compare him to, uh, oh, Vladimir Putin the other night. Compare him to uh, the Iranian president, President Raisi, who, whose appearance at the U.N., uh, prompted a walkout by the Israeli ambassador to the UN. Why? Uh, we will get to that. Uh, Lincoln's pretty good. And he was effective in calling out uh, Vlad the Impaler. Uh, that would be Vladimir Vladimirovich uh, Putin. And for his country's war. And uh, for what that war has done to to disrupt and disrespect the UN, to make the UN basically irrelevant. Uh, this is Secretary of State of the United States, Antony Blinken, clip nine. That President Putin picked this week, as most of the world gathers at the United Nations, to add fuel to the fire that he started, shows his utter contempt for the UN Charter, for the General Assembly, and for this council. The very international order that we have gathered here to uphold 
is being shredded before our eyes. We cannot, we will not allow President Putin to get away with it. Okay, and then another strong and important line and worth thinking about. This is clip 10. One man chose this war. One man can end it. Because if Russia stops fighting, the war ends. If Ukraine stops fighting, Ukraine ends. That's why we will continue to support Ukraine as it defends itself and strengthen its hand to achieve a diplomatic solution on just terms at a negotiating table. Uh, look, this is, this is powerful. Uh, will it happen? Will Putin take advantage of it? Uh, of course not. And, and again, there are enough experts like the people that we've had on this program recently, uh, having on um, Professor Cohen yesterday from Johns Hopkins University and a former sec secretary advisor to the State Department under President Bush. Um, the, the idea that for Putin, this uh, war now and the outcome of this war is an existential threat. Nobody believes that if Russia loses the war with Ukraine, Russia will cease to exist. But it's possible that the Putin regime would cease to exist. I saw they had a, um, a photograph of, of people in Moscow, and this is aside from the de demonstrations, anti-war demonstrations they're having in, uh, in Moscow and in St. Petersburg. There was a big new recruiting poster, and um, it, it shows uh, Uncle Sam. And what, what are they using Uncle Sam in a recruiting poster for? It's not Uncle Sam wants you. It shows Uncle Sam, and he's a puppeteer, and he has little marionettes who look like little Pinocchios who are wearing Ukrainian uniforms. And it says, basically, uh, come join the Russian army, come join our cause. Don't be a puppet of the evil West. And uh, that, of course, justifies in their minds, at least, the war crimes, the hideous war crimes they have committed. Uh, this is uh, Secretary Blinken again speaking to the United Nations. Listen. Eleven. We see what that world looks like in the parts of Ukraine controlled by Russian forces. Wherever the Russian tide recedes, we discover the horror that's left in its wake. I had a window into that horror myself when I traveled to Irpin just a few weeks ago to meet with the Ukrainian investigators who were compiling evidence of war crimes committed there. I saw up close the gaping holes left in residential buildings by Russian shelling, indiscriminate at best, intentional at worst. As we assemble here, Ukrainian and international investigators continue to exhume bodies outside of Izium, a city Russian forces controlled for six months before they were driven out by Ukrainian counteroffensive. One site contains some 440 unmarked graves. A number of the bodies unearthed there so far reportedly show signs of torture, including one victim with broken arms and a rope around his neck. These are not the acts of rogue units. They fit a clear pattern across the territory controlled by Russian forces. This is one of the many reasons that we support a range of national and international efforts to collect and examine the mounting evidence of war crimes in Ukraine. We must hold the perpetrators accountable for these crimes. 
Okay, and what is the Russian answer to that? You know what? Increasingly, there just is none. Because what's what's difficult for them is when they have abandoned territory that they once occupied, they can't take the evidence with them, not when the evidence is rotting bodies. The entire thing is, is horrible. On a, a better note, there was a speech by the Israeli Prime Minister, and the Prime Minister right now is not uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. He will be running again and hope to return to power, at least he's trying to, with the Israeli election coming up November 1st. It's uh, just a little bit before our election here, our midterm election. But Yair Lapid, who was a very popular, successful TV host before he went into Knesset, into Parliament, and who is a this current centrist Prime Minister of Israel, uh, gave a very strong speech and made it clear that uh, he does want peace and a resolution of the long-standing conflict with the Palestinians. I'll listen, clip five. Despite all the obstacles, still today, a large majority of Israelis support the vision of the two-state solution. I am one of them. We have only one condition, that the future Palestinian state will be a peaceful one, that it will not become another terror base from which to threaten the well-being and the very existence of Israel, that we will have the ability to protect the security of all the citizens of Israel at all times. And yes, of course, those citizens of Israel include the safety and security of the uh, 20% approximately who are Palestinian citizens of Israel. When we come back, we'll be talking about citizens of the United States. And many people are kind of getting so weary of hearing about the midterm elections of 2022, they want to jump ahead to the elections of 2024, which may matter even more. We'll talk to Myra Adams from uh, Real Kill Clear Politics in the Hill about this first sketch of the odds for 2024. Coming up. Michael Medved show, uh, Myra Adams over at the Hill writes the 2024 presidential election cycle officially begins the day after the November 8th midterm elections. But I'm jumping the gun, she writes, predicting that one of the following will be elected or re-elected president of the United States. And she has a pretty short list of names here. Uh, President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, Governor Gavin Newsom, former President Donald Trump, and Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, Myra Adams is the uh, political and religious writer, media producer, who is a contributor to The Hill, to Rear Clear Politics, and to Town Hall. So um, were there other names that you thought of putting on your short list there but uh, decided to leave out? Well, 
having the. But as we know, the nature of politics is always expect the unexpected, and there will be unpredictable things that will happen. We can just count on that. So, yes, of course there could be other names that could pop up. Uh, we live in the age of celebrity politics. So some celebrity could emerge. Always that could happen. But then, you know, Pete Buttigieg could, you know, rise up and um, Glenn Youngkin, possibly on the Republican side, the governor of Virginia, he's making, uh, you know, movement. So you just never know. So there is always a danger of predicting <laughs> who's really going to be in the race this early. But, you know, it's a fun game. No, it, it is a fun game, and it's a very serious game, because one of the reasons we were talking a little bit earlier in this show, Myra, we were talking about why people seem to be so interested in the midterms, and I think they're very interested in what happens in the next election. And I think it's related to the fact that the polling shows that about three-quarters of Americans think we're headed in the wrong direction. And they see the midterm election, and then much more, the 2024 election, a chance of changing course, of heading in a different direction. I'm not sure that people know that they know what direction they want to go, but they know that it needs to be different from what's going on now. Do you, do you think that is true? Oh, I think that's true, too. I think this midterm is going to be the most uh, highest ever uh, voter turnout that we've ever had. I think you could throw out every model that has ever preceded this midterm um, because there's so much emotion tied into, you know, the abortion decision, tied into Trump, tied into, you know, people think democracy is threatened. Um, obviously, there's the economy and interest rates rising and inflation going out of, you know, skyrocketing and then, you know, potentially war. <laughs> Potentially, we could be in a war, you know, sometime soon. Um, so, yes, there's so much uncertainty. And then on top of that, you have our nation has never been as divided as it is now, literally since the Civil War. Um, so you have all that swirling around. Yeah. And, okay, so uh, a lot of people, I think, who voted for Joe Biden voted for him because he thought he was the the guy who could actually bring us together. Uh, do you think that Biden can sell himself that way after the results of uh, his first two years? Well, I think that's going to be really difficult um, because, again, his he, he reflects a divided nation. But at the same time, you know, he's making hints, like he did on this past Sunday on 60 Minutes, that he is you know, he may consider not running. It's, he says he's going to run, but then he's basically saying it's not a firm decision. It remains to be seen whether he's going to run again. And I think that's a trial balloon. I think he's just putting out that saying, you know, I don't think I'm going to run. So don't be shocked when I, you know, when I make that decision. But he's going to turn 80 in November. So you have that consideration. But, yeah, people voted for him because he wasn't Trump. Um, that was, you know, the main reason, and particularly women voted for him. Um, I mean, he won, he won women, uh, women, first of all, 52% of the electorate. And, um, you know, he won women, Biden and Harris together won 57% of women voted for them. 
So, you know, a lot of women, you know, who knows if they're going to stick with him this time. But, of course, it's the alternative. As Biden always likes to say, you know, what's the alternative? And that's what we don't know at this point. You know, will the alternative be someone like Kamala Harris, who is the natural successor if he decides not to run? And, you know, as we know, she is not the most popular person. But who's popular these days? Nobody's popular. I, well, that's that's kind of true, obviously. And you look at this list of people that you have here. Uh, the people who are most popular are people that folks don't know that much about because they don't know enough about them to be scared yet. The, the one thing that I would say is my guess is that Biden does not run, just as you're indicating, and also that Trump does not run. In other words... Um, in terms of the, the, the news that he got yesterday uh, on tons of fronts, the front of the New York Attorney General's suit against the Trump companies and against him, and and uh, there there's this very bad news that he received from the Court of Appeals regarding the case of the uh, classified documents and whether or not uh, he can actually, just by thinking about it, declassify things. <laughs> he declares they're unclassified by thinking about them. That's Saturday Night Live. Is that a script from Saturday Night Live? <laughs> what it well, like? Well, again, it's it's uh, it's by telepathy. I think the, as the Rolling uh, Rolling Stone suggested in in a column it's it, yesterday there's no way that anybody can think that yesterday was a solid day for president trump and the fact that he hasn't yet announced and remember there was a big talk that he would announce before election day uh this year on november 8th uh, do you think that he will uh, I personally don't know at this point. Who knows? But this is what you do know, and he loves polls. He looks at polls. Currently, the real clear politics average of who is going to win the GOP nomination in 2024, he leads it. 52% of Republicans say he is going to be the nominee, compared to only 23% for DeSantis. Now, of course, that can that can all change. But as we know, Trump has this base that is, it goes back to what he said when he was campaigning in 2016. He could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and his base would still stay with him. That has proven to be one of the most amazingly prescient um, statements that any politician has ever made. It's so absurd, but it's proven to be true. Okay, but so there's there's something that. there's something that, uh, on the other side of that, which is that when they went through this search at Mar-a-Lago, uh, there was a great sense that oh, this is going to help Trump because he's going to look like a martyr. It's going to be persecuted by the evil FBI. That hasn't really worked out for him. I don't think it, there's any polling that shows that uh, he has benefited at this point from um, <laughs> having stored those literally thousands of documents at uh, at Mar-a-Lago. That is true. But you still have that loyalty that it's like, what can he not do for that loyalty to, you know, to dissipate? And right now, I mean, what's that real clear politics average? Um, I thought it was going to start going down, but it, but it hasn't. He still is the choice 
of the majority of Republicans. Yeah, and uh, can you hang on? Because we haven't even gotten to Vice President Harris. You make a couple of points about her. And then we should talk about other names just to keep things fresh and open. And because I think the American people desperately want some other names. Talking to Myra Adams, uh, she writes for The Hill, for Real Clear Politics, and for Town Hall. Uh, we will be right back. And on the Michael Medved Show, talking to Myra Adams, who is a political and religious writer and a media producer. She is a contributor to The Hill, uh, where her most recent piece uh, basically says, you're way too early 2024 presidential election preview. What she says is she says and predicts, jumping the gun as she admits it, that uh, the people who are possibly elected or re-elected as the next president of the United States are President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, Governor Gavin Newsom of California, former President Donald Trump, or Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Uh, Myra, if um, since both you and I entertain the possibility that neither Trump nor Biden would uh, would actually run. How do you think Biden would pull out? Uh, you you mention uh, the idea of the dramatic withdrawal from the race of Lyndon Johnson, but that race had already begun. They'd already had several primaries where Johnson uh, won a fairly narrow victory in New Hampshire over Eugene McCarthy, who wasn't considered to have a chance at all. And then Robert Kennedy entered the race and Johnson pulled out in the middle of a campaign. If, uh, if Trump decides not to run, would he conceivably wait that long and uh, allow people to keep guessing until, well, it was Johnson went out in March of 1968. So that would be March of 2024. It would be a long time from now for will he or won't he for Donald Trump. He can't wait that long, can he? No, um, I I believe that uh, if Donald Trump is going to get in, um, you know, he'll either get in, you know, by the end of this year or, or early next year. But, um, you know, one of the questions that I raise is, you know, what happens, what could happen first? Could Merrick, Attorney General Merrick Garland, indict him? Or does President Trump declare his Kansas seat before he gets indicted. I mean, that's going to be really interesting. Uh, it's a dangerous game of chicken. I believe that I believe we're heading to Trump getting indicted. Um, so, you know, what's going to come Yeah, first? his lawyers think uh, so, too, apparently. Yes, yes. Um, because if anybody, any normal person or anybody in the military or anybody in politics even stole, even just took a few of those documents, and you know wouldn't give them back with the classifications they had they would be in jail right now it's you know everybody knows that but that's a whole nother discussion but you know regarding what you're talking about biden um the only reason i brought up lyndon johnson because biden would be the first president since lyndon johnson withdrew in 1968 and so not to run for a second term but Biden has to with, has to make that announcement um, by no later than mid 2023, just because campaigns are billion dollar startups 
that have to go from zero to 60, and you have to build an organization, and he has to give his party people time to build their organizations knowing that, in fact, they are going to you know, be launching primaries. So he will have to make that decision. Uh, but he'll put it off as long as possible because, as I write, you, you don't want to be a lame duck, um, particularly in this dangerous world with a lot of political repercussions and national security implications, too. Um, you know, our enemies, we have a lame duck president. They may you know, want to test him more, um, knowing that he's not going to be there, you know, that much longer. So there's, there's a whole lot of dynamics. But the, the obviously what happens right away after he does make that announcement is the dynamic just completely shifts to Kamala Harris. And do you think uh, it's likely that uh, Joe Biden, who does not appear to be tremendously enchanted with his vice president, he certainly has put her in a number of difficult positions, hasn't gone out of his way to praise or to exult in her triumphs, whatever they are. Uh, do you think he, he would endorse her for uh, his successor if he pulled out? Well, I, I write about that because that is a huge question. It really does not look good for him if he doesn't endorse her. Because here, he chose her. It's his VP. I mean, ultimately, if something you know, horrible happened, she would have to step in. So it's like he has to support her on one hand. But on the other hand, let's look at what happened with Barack Obama. He didn't come out and endorse Vice President Biden, although he wasn't the incumbent vice president at the time. And that makes a big difference. You know, keep that in mind, because Obama did delay, 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 not endorsing Biden. But, you know, Biden was not VP at the time, whereas Harris would be VP at the time. So that's going to be a really interesting dynamic. So you have to watch that. And it, it, you also make the point in your piece that Look, uh, whatever you want to say, uh, she is the first female president or vice president. Uh, she is um, mixed race. She's Asian. She's black. Uh, it would um, it would actually w wouldn't there be if he did not endorse her? Wouldn't there be some cries uh, against him for slighting his historic vice presidential choice? That's exactly right. I mean, the Democrats have a problem. How do you dislodge an incumbent VP who's a woman of color who represents the party's largest demographics, which are women and non-white voters? How do you do that? And she has the historic President Harris, you know, potentially. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a really going to be just fascinating um, what the Democrats are going to have to deal with. And particularly, there will be a primary. She will be primaried. But it's a matter of, you know, incumbency has its advantages. Um, you know, she's going to pull up in the Air Force Two. And, you know, she can do a lot of things as an incumbent VP that, you know, your typical primary opponent, you know, can't do. So, I mean, that's why I believe she, in fact, will be the nominee. If I had a guess right now, um, you know, she would be the nominee because I don't know how they dislodge her. That's, but see, you know, the, the, the one thing that I, I think a lot of Republicans believe is that if she is the nominee, that's the one nominee that Trump would have the chance of beating. I mean, <laughs> uh, can you imagine what a Kamala Harris-Donald Trump debate would look like? 
Yeah, it, it would be pay-per-view. But I don't believe Trump's going to be... World Wrestling Entertainment. I don't believe Trump's going to run. So I, right. but I think it will be between DeSantis. I think DeSantis ultimately is the heir apparent. And, you know, he's a fighter. He's taken on the Trump persona. So, uh, you know, a let's say there is... You know, DeSantis ends up winning the nomination and it's against Harris. Um, you know, but it's really, it's the same thing because DeSantis is fighter, 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 and he knows his stuff. I mean, DeSantis is a really smart guy. He's a policy wonk, and he can just whip out facts and figures and numbers on, like, any topic. And Harris, I don't know, she kind of talks in broad strokes and grand gestures. Space cadet. Um, yeah, I don't think she would do really well in a primary against Ron DeSantis. You know, well, well uh, if you're talking about a general election, how about her again in a primary against uh, Gavin Newsom? Do you know Governor Newsom? I don't know much about him, except I know he was recalled. I know he survived that. Yeah, he survived he it in a landslide. I, I think he's formidable. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, and, and particularly in a debate setting, uh, a, a debate between the two Californians, between Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom, wouldn't be pretty. Well, I'm sure it wouldn't be. But again, she's the incumbent vice president. You yeah. can't negate the power and majesty of that title. Um, so <laughs> you know what John Nance Garner said about the vice presidency? Yes, John Nance Garner, who was a two-time vice president, said, right, he said it, it wasn't worth a bucket of warm spit, is what it, but he didn't really say spit. He said something else. Right. But I think over time, um, the office has grown. And it's one of those things where the president can be still on his VP or her VP, more power and authority. So it's like the office can be as powerful as the, as the president allows it to be. I mean, look at Dick Cheney. He was a great example of, you know, someone who had a great amount of power as VP, where someone like Pence, you know, basically had practically none. Uh, whereas I think Biden had a little bit when he was VP. So, again, it's sort of one of those things that it just I think it depends on the personality of the president, how powerful the office actually is. But, again, if she's, you know, if she is the um, in a primary and, you know, and Biden comes out and doesn't endorse her, I mean, that is just going to be, then, you know, then sure, she could be knocked off. But that's just going to reflect so badly upon him and the party. So watch all this space. That's why it's going to be one of the most fascinating elections I think we've ever had in our history. And, and, and let's hope no. with a well, let's hope with an outcome that actually can benefit maybe just maybe this greatest nation on God's green earth. Thank you, Myra Adams.